You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am the host here, my name is Alex, and it's great to have you all here again. But I didn't pull you guys this week. Weird. Uh, I was on a cruise with my girlfriend, a.k.a. the goalie, and it was great, but I was definitely MIA from pretty much everything. Uh, she had the wonderful idea that since we were in the Bahamas, that why don't we do the Caribbean Reef Shark this week? And I was like, you know, pretty excellent idea. So here we are. I did try to update the Twitter and Instagram bit while we were out. Uh, we did see a bull shark, which is really cool, and I tried to get a photo of it, and when I pulled my phone out, it was recording an 18-minute video in my pocket, so in case you want to see the inside of my pocket, you can't. I deleted it, uh, but it did make sure that I could not get a good picture of the bull shark, so I only got like a little blob of it in the distance, so I put that up on the story, and if you want to see anything like that or be up to date in the loop when I do post bad photos like that, then you can follow along on Instagram at Deep Dives with Sharks or on Twitter at Deep Dive Sharks, which I'm just now realizing I did not post that to Twitter. Whoops. Oh, well. But without further ado... We're going to go on to the Caribbean Reef Shark. Now, I do say this about pretty much every single shark that we do. These guys are really cool. Now, I feel like it'd be weird if I started saying that sharks weren't cool. They are. So, we're going to keep talking about how cool they are. But they're typically found in the Atlantic Ocean around Florida to Brazil. So, about the Caribbean area around Cozumel, around the Bahamas, anything in between there. Now, these guys are one of the subspecies of Requiem Sharks, so they look similar to another Requiem Shark that we talked about earlier on the podcast, and I'll give you guys a couple seconds to try to remember the, I was going to say 14 sharks that we've done so far, but I realized I've covered multiple Thresher Sharks and Hammerheads, so we're probably closer to 20 sharks we've already covered. I'll do the math eventually. I'll update, I'll put that on the Twitter, um, but... The shark, in case you guys are trying to guess it, was actually the silky shark. So that was the second or third shark that we covered on the podcast, and they are found usually around the Atlantic Ocean as well. Now, similar to the silky shark, they're going to have a slimmer body that helps them to be more agile, especially when moving around reefs or similarly hard to maneuver areas of the ocean. Uh, now, they also are a relatively larger shark, uh, as the average size of all sharks across all species is about 5 feet, or 1.5 meters, but the Caribbean Reef Shark is about 6 to 8 feet long, or 2 to 2.5 meters long. They also do something very unique compared to other swimming sharks. They can lay on the ocean floor or among the reef or caves to rest. Now, Many sharks that are swimming sharks need to keep moving, but the Caribbean Reef Shark, instead of just slowing down to rest, will actually rest on the bottom of the ocean floor, which is very neat. These guys are going to be mostly gray, with some black along their tail fin and lacking any black on their fins, which is the main difference besides size between them and the Caribbean Reef, or the Black Tip Reef Shark, sorry. So Black Tip Reef Sharks usually about 5 feet long, and they have those black tips on their fins as well as their tail. Meanwhile, the Caribbean Reef Shark really only has that black on the end of its tail on the very back of it. Now, these guys also have about 11 to 13 rows of teeth on their upper and lower jaws, and their teeth are relatively triangular shaped, but more narrow than a great white, yet wider than a mako. So that's usually 
the scale that I use. They tend to be a little bit more narrow, which helps them to catch smaller prey. And they do have a wide wrist list of prey, which includes the bony fish, cephalopods, and some rays. And more specifically, the eagle ray is one of their favorites to go after. They also do have an interesting hunting pattern. They circle their prey almost described as lackadaisically or in a manner which they look like they do not care. But then when they are swimming around this prey, they will suddenly lunge to the side to help catch it quickly without giving any warning. Now, I also want to mention this, that uh, I always tell you to keep an arm out when you are working with sharks, either swimming with them. I say working as if your job might do this. Um, But if you're ever swimming with sharks, then you want to make sure that you can keep an arm distance away. Uh, If they start to get a little bit too close to you, you can always give them a little push. Now, I always try to mention a gentle but firm push because you want to make sure they get away from you. You don't want to try to like relax your arm too much to the point where you're just kind of like brushing them but at the same time you don't want to like come out and smack it because that too won't really help that's just going to anger it so making sure that you can give it that little push away from you this way it doesn't have the really chance to kind of come at you or if it does you get more of a better chance to grab its gills something like that to kind of scare it off so you have that opportunity now with this when you do make contact with it uh with its with your hand to it it's probably going to get startled and swim away so most likely it's not even going to be trying to hunt you but especially because its style of hunting is going to be lunging to the side just do be aware if you do come across a caribbean reef shark now caribbean reef sharks tend to not care about divers around them due to their size they have been known to become defensive of food uh same way that many sharks do um as i mentioned a couple episodes ago uh, when you're spearfishing in the middle of the ocean and sharks show up, they're going to want the injured fish you just got, um, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about later in the next segment. But there have been 27 human bites by Caribbean reef sharks. Only four were unprovoked, meaning that most bites were because someone was messing with them, although none were fatal. Now, these sharks are also at the center of a big controversy, and that involves shark feeding. Now, on the surface, pun intended shark uh, feeding I, I was so proud of that pun i got a little distracted but shark feeding sounds pretty good right like you're giving sharks food the issue is that it's a big ecotourism move uh, to let snorkelers and divers get up close and personal with the sharks the issue is that they'll take they'll overfish they'll take the fish off the reef uh, to feed the sharks which damages the ecosystem But not only does it damage the ecosystem, it also makes it more possible that the sharks will attribute humans to food. So not viewing us as food, but pretty much being like, oh, they have food on them. So what's going to happen is more than likely the sharks in that area that are constantly being fed by humans are going to become way too comfortable with humans and even kind of act like your dog does when it starts begging for food. It's going to come up to you and it's going to start trying to nudge you and stuff like that to get food out of you. But you don't got food on you. So it makes it a little bit difficult there. It is a very up-in-the-air situation because, of course, if you pay for a shark experience, you want the shark experience. But at the same time, I feel like it should be done safely. We don't want to create a situation where you're paying all this money and you're not going to see a shark. But we also don't want to create a situation where you pay all this money to get bit by a shark. So it's it's kind of a difficult situation to be a part of. And unfortunately, I myself am not the one that has an answer uh, to this. Uh, I will say that when we were in the Bahamas snorkeling on a reef 
One of the guides that we were with dropped food for the fish in the water, which caused the fish to go into a mini frenzy grabbing food, which was really cool. Um, the only downside being that it does kind of cause that frenzy and that can like all that stirring up can attract a shark. Now the thing is that shark is still reacting in its natural way. So it's not just coming up because someone dropped food for it in the water. And I feel like that could be a situation, but then same deal where if humans are causing these fish to stir up into a frenzy a little bit, then the shark should still associate humans with food because this happens every time the humans show up. So it's kind of still the same problem. Just, with more steps <laughs> but once again i unfortunately don't have the answer for and maybe through research i'll come across something that someone has figured out or over the course of time someone will find a better alternative where you're guaranteed to see a shark but it's not in captivity and it's also not putting you in danger so unfortunately i don't really have an answer to that now caribbean reef sharks are really neat they're another species of shark that I tend to think of quite a bit. I realized that uh, in Googling pictures of these sharks as well, that my brain tends to immediately think of uh, reef sharks, like seeing a shark on the reef. That's usually the main one that I go to. And Caribbean reef sharks are one of those as well as the um, white tip reef and black tip reef sharks. Cause they typically just look like what a shark does. <laughs> so it, it works out, but that is what I have for the Caribbean reef shark this week. Once again, if you guys do have any questions, any comments, anything like that, uh, feel free to send it over to me on the social media. I'm not going to plug it again. I'll just keep telling you to follow there. So I'll tell, I'll say it once or twice an episode. I'm going to try to stick to that. But moving on to the shark safety portion. Now, once again, as I mentioned in the last episode, we're going over understanding shark behavior, which once again is a multi-parter. Now, this is once again coming from previous info throughout the podcast, Encyclopedia Britannica, and a couple other websites like Nat Geo, uh, Discovery, a couple others like that. And this one is focusing on feeding versus relaxing behavior. So as I mentioned, shark feeding a big issue. And we want to notice when sharks are hunting and when they're feeding versus when they're just existing. So first of all, the easiest way to tell if a shark is hunting is if they're following a school of fish, if they're actively eating a fish, if they have breached the water to catch a fish, a bird, a seal, etc. Those are very clearly the obvious ones, but there are going to be some more subtle ones that may be missed. Sharks use a lot of their senses to help them hunt, which includes sight, hearing and those electro sensors they have on their nose to determine where their prey is but they also will use bite and taste to determine what is food versus what isn't which is why there are many bites throughout the history of shark human interaction sharks tend to not know what we are now sharks don't typically interact with humans so they aren't sure what we are like i just said the first time you see a wild shark maybe the first time that shark saw a person so they have no idea what you are because as far as they know or at least as far as we know, they don't have a database on us, which would be kind of wild if the sharks were just like, oh yeah, this is a human and this is what they do. Be kind of cool, but I don't think the sharks have that ability. So even if a shark has seen a human before, I don't know if they can communicate to that each other that, oh hey, that's a human, they're not food. So every shark has to kind of figure that out for, their, uh, for themselves and going that way. But Different sharks also do have different patterns when resting versus hunting. So the hammerhead that I mentioned tends to tilt to the side, usually about a 45 degree angle. And then the great white will swim in a star pattern to show that it is going in a more aggressive way. 
uh, versus if it's just kind of leisurely swimming, which is going to be more at its resting pace. So a great, uh, great hammerhead will be upright if it's hunting, tilted if it's not. Now, if a shark is swimming quickly, usually it's either hunting or it is trying to get away from something, which that something could very possibly be you. Uh, so it's moving quickly. The best bet is just to get out of its way. Try not to get involved there because a lot of times the shark's in panic mode when it's swimming quickly. If it looks like it's frantically trying to move away from something, and if you suddenly grab it, it's going to be defensive, or if you poke it or swim after it, it's going to become defensive. Same way that if you're having a panic attack, your fight or flight's kicking in, that's the shark's fight or flight as well. It's trying to get away, and then you start touching it, it's going to fight back. So just be careful there too. Now, if the shark is moving quickly near you, the best thing to do is stay out of its way, but try not to run, splash at the surface, or follow the shark. Uh, also, uh, spontaneous and unpredictable movements should not be done because this can cause it to make you think that you are food. Uh, so if you're trying to act like an injured fish, as I mentioned previously as well, that it's going to treat you like an injured fish. It's going to want to try to bite you. So try not to flap around too much to have these sporadic movements, anything like that. It's just not going to be the best idea. Now, one of the easiest ways to get bit by a shark is to mess with it or follow it, as I mentioned. Uh, so sharks view this as predatory behavior. Many animals in the ocean, when they are hunting, will follow their prey. I mean, that goes for really anything as well. So if you start acting like a predator to the shark, it's going to try to act defensively once again. And of course, I know that if you ever see a shark, I mean, if I do, I'm going to be very curious and want to get closer and figure it out. But also, I kind of have to remind myself to not do that because there's plenty of things that can go wrong. Uh, I mean, as they said, curiosity killed the cat. Not only does it do, do that, but... If you are following the shark because you're curious, it's also going to get you bit. So sometimes you just need to mind your business. Now, I will say as much as I do go over all the safety portions of this podcast, I did kind of catch myself when we were hanging out in the Bahamas one day on our cruise that uh, I, too, need to sometimes remind myself of these the, the rules that I've come up with um, because there was one day that we were just standing on the beach or in the water, I should say. And a school of fish were nearby. And if you all remember, in one of the episodes, I mentioned, hey, if you see a school of fish and they're kind of swarming together, don't go stand in the middle of them. And what did my silly brain immediately do but start walking towards them and told my girlfriend, hey, I'm going to go stand in these fish. And even she was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I, as I started walking towards them, I realized there are sharks out here. This is a dumb idea. This is the equivalent of me trying to go stand on the African savanna and just standing there with a bottle of A1. Like, this is just not very smart. So I then kind of quickly realized that and then turned around, and when she asked what was going on, I explained. But it's one of those things, too, that even someone like me who loves sharks and always hopes to see one kind of forgot for a minute that, hey, sharks exist. Like, they, you're still going to be standing in the middle of their food source. Just not the best idea. Now, none of this was here to try to scare you. Of course, I don't want you to not ever go in the ocean again. I want you guys to go there, go swimming, go snorkeling with sharks, diving with sharks, the whole nine yards. It'll be a lot of fun if that's what you're into. You just got to remember that every shark you encounter is not going to be 20 feet long. As I mentioned a couple minutes earlier, that is my phrase of this episode, as I mentioned. But <laughs> as I talked about earlier, there we go. Most sharks are going to be about five feet tall, which is usually about the height of the average person, a little bit shorter. So 
for the most part, sharks are going to be either about your size or smaller than you. Very few species of sharks are actually much larger, and that also helps that the three largest, or at least the two largest, the basking and the whale shark, both are filter feeders, so they don't really care about humans in the slightest. They won't really even react to you if they see you in the water. They'll just bump into you. So it's one of those things that it's not going to come after you. It's not going to see you as food. They're not man-eating machines. They're just curious the same way that you or I, like you or I would be, and they just don't have hands. They have teeth. So they try to figure out what's going on. Usually they'll bump into you, um, which a lot of people will. Uh, why they call it an attack is because they'll bump into kayaks or anything like that or they'll take a bite out of something. But a lot of times in figuring out what you are, they'll bump into you to try to figure out, like, does this feel like a fish? Because usually humans don't react like fish do. So when they get bumped by something, they kind of freak out, but differently than a fish would. So they even use their own sense of touch. Just sharks don't realize how fragile our skin is. So when they go to bite, it it goes right through us. Meanwhile, if they just slapped us with a fin... That'd be kind of funny, but they also don't really have the dexterity to do that, so it doesn't really work. But if you do see a shark in the water, just remain calm, keep your eyes on it. As I said before, try to keep it at an arm's length distance because depending on the shark, they're going to have different hunting styles. So paying attention to that and also doing that research before you get out there, knowing what sharks you may encounter. Because like I mentioned, great hammerheads versus great whites, very different sharks there so the great hammerhead just going to be swimming slow tilted to the side or it could be swimming slower still upright but uprights hunting and tilted is relaxing it's going to be very different depending on the shark many of the sharks you encounter too going to be about two to three feet long so you're not gonna have to worry about there but just remain calm enjoy the moment keep your distance don't panic and they're not there to eat you they're just live there you're in their home which is why I always find the phrase shark-infested waters kind of funny because the sharks were there first. They're actually pretty human-infested. But that's what I do have for the shark safety portion of the podcast. Now, if you guys do have any questions, anything like that, once again, send them over to the social medias, Twitter or Instagram. I might make more eventually. I don't know what else I'd make. But we do go on to shark news this week. Now, I do have two stories for you guys. And this one is actually the first ones out of a state that I have not done yet, nor have I been to, uh, which is going to be a great white shark caught off the Gulf of Mexico. Could be first ever in Alabama, and that is from AL.com. Now, some of the titles that I do share on this podcast pretty much tell you the whole article in the title, and this one is the exact same. Because this one, I mean, you got the whole gist of it right there. Someone caught the first great white off of the coast of Alabama. Now, let me tell you why that's a little bit significant, though. Now, for those of you that are listening outside of the U.S. and possibly might not know where Alabama is, give a little context. Florida is the most southeast state in the continental United States, and then directly to its northwest, that is Alabama. So it's pretty north in the Gulf of Mexico, and it's one of the states that touches the Gulf of Mexico. Now, why that is significant is because great whites are, of, co- of course, all across the uh, eastern and western coasts of the U.S. and also in two parts of the Gulf of Mexico, but they tend to stay more south of the Gulf of Mexico. They tend to not go too far in. So the fact that they were pretty much at the most north point you could get into the Gulf of Mexico is kind of wild because 
they just tend to not be there. But there was a charter fishing group that is specializing in shark fishing. There we go. My brain shut off for a second. Going with shark fishing. Now, this is one where I don't really know uh like too much about the company. So I kind of am torn about this because I don't like shark fishing boats as I feel like catching sharks, like unless you're catching them to tag them, uh, can be really bad because if you're just catching them for their meat and stuff like that, that's really dumb, uh, in my opinion at least. So I feel like there are ethical ways to do this and then there are, are unethical ways. So the article did not say whether or not they released the shark or if they held on to it or tagged it or anything like that. Um, so I have no idea if that shark lived or not. Um, but kind of neat there. Um, but <clears throat> with this as well, I, I don't want to say anything bad about, I mean, I don't even know what company it was. And if that's something that you're into, that is totally fine as well. But it's just one of the things that I'm conflicted about. Cause I don't know what kind of way they're doing this. Now, Another thing with the Great Whites is they do tend to prefer warmer waters, and of course, the more north you go, the colder the water gets, and that also goes pretty true for the Gulf of Mexico. So, of course, like you have the seal populations that get eaten up in Maine and parts of New Brunswick, Canada, and even higher than that, but they usually tend to travel that way when it's in the warmer months. So when it tends to be like June, July, August, September, around that time is when they're going up there. And um, actually, for those of you that may be down in Florida or near the coast of Florida, um, be careful because there is going to be a great hammerhead migration starting sometime soon. Um, and it happens every year and every year a child gets bitten because the parents didn't realize that there's a hammerhead migration going on in Florida. So um little sidebar there, but if you're going down to Florida anytime in the next couple months, just be careful. Um, but so with that, not to give too much away, because I will run another poll on which shark to do. Um, and eventually the Great White will win and we'll go over its territory and everywhere that it loves to live and what it loves to do. But that is the first story that I have for you guys. And the second one I have uh, comes from New South Wales. So this is Spearfisher's close encounter with a shark off New South Wales coast, and this is by Nine News. Now, this one is kind of interesting as well. I always say that they're interesting and cool. I need to find new words. But a drone operator in New South Wales was recording a shark when it got right up and close on some spear fishers. It ended up grabbing one of their fins, uh, but they were able to get the fin back. It immediately let go, um, and just kind of grabbed the fin and they were free without injury. Now the spear fishers were floating near the top of the water when the shark swam up behind them and was able to take away one of its fins, but they were able to get out of the water uh, without biting them and only getting a mouthful of plastic, which probably was gross. Now the drone operator said that she felt fear and felt helpless as she couldn't warn them since she wasn't there at the tide. She wasn't trying to record them. She was just recording a shark and thankfully everything turned out fine. So none of the, Spearfishers got injured. Uh, none of them were really in danger. The shark was just kind of curious. And this is why I also tell you to be aware of your surroundings because they were facing the rocks, probably trying to get the fish caught between them and the rocks. And the shark just kind of came up behind them and was trying to figure out what was going on and then saw something horizontal in the water that had a fin and figured, you know, I've bit these before, so let me taste that. And it turned out to be not very tasty and full of plastic. So once again, I mean, they were doing an activity that, a shark would be 
more likely to show up to because, of course, they're creating injured fish nearby, and that sends out distress signals, which can bring a shark in. So if you are doing an opera or an activity like that, it's definitely good to make sure that you've got someone watching your back uh, or not everyone's facing the rocks at the same time, just making sure that nothing big is going to come up behind you without you realizing it because a lot of people spearfish and a lot of people don't encounter sharks, so just something to be careful of and be aware of. Now, I think this also does prove what I'm trying to prove with the title and clickbait and everything like that, that there are titles out there. I mean, this one was pretty much just said the spearfishers had a close encounter with a shark. That's pretty much exactly what happened. Uh, there are other uh, sites that I'm guaranteed would see this and would say that this was such a terrible, horrible incident. Uh, there's an attack when in reality, the shark just kind of bit a fin and went about its day. So there wasn't really too much to do there to, I guess, hype it up. Because in the video, too, you kind of just see the shark swim up and then just bite a fin. And the guy gets scared. And then those buddies just, they all swim out the water. And then they go back at the fin. And then that's it. So it's pretty easy. Uh, pretty simple shark just being a shark and humans being humans. And everyone goes home fine. So I do feel like that is pretty much what would happen in most situations with a shark bite is that someone gets bit and then the shark just goes away because they're like, that wasn't really what I wanted. Um, and that's that. So I will say that's why I want to always tell you to keep an eye out on your surroundings because sharks, of course, live in the ocean. They can come from anywhere. They don't have to announce their presence, and I don't think they could even if they wanted to. So really all that can happen is you just got to keep a head on a swivel because shark could be there at some point. But once again, not to scare you or anything, most sharks you encounter are going to be pretty small. Um, yeah, they'll be the ones that just can kind of swim around your legs, and if they bite you, they might take a toe. So worst case scenario. But that is what I have for this episode. I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you all for sharing and telling everyone about it. I think I'm officially in 22 countries now, which is insane. Um, but I also looked, I'm in 24 states. So I'm almost in half of the United States, which is crazy. But thank you all so much. Uh, follow the Instagram and the Twitter once again. That is going to be Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram and Deep Dive Sharks on Twitter. Um, Send any comments, questions, anything of that sort, any jokes, I'm happy to hear those as well. And give me a rating on Apple or Spotify. Share it with anyone who you think would want to listen. And I will see you guys in the next one. Take care.